and I was offered lots and lots of pharmaceutical drugs to try to help with symptoms. Right. But um, the whole time it was my breast implants. And when I had them removed in 2020, I felt better on the ride home. My name is Becky Richard, and I'm a breast cancer survivor and advocate, and you're watching Folks Alert. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. My name is Kiko. My guest today is Becky Richards. How are you, Becky? I'm doing fine. How are you? I can't complain. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How's your How's your day going? My day is going good. It um, It's snowing here in Michigan. And just a couple days ago, it was almost 80 degrees. So that's snowing. how we how we roll in Michigan. <laughs> what part of Michigan do you live? Uh, I'm in Grand Rapids. Oh, okay. Don't you have the lake? Which, There's a lake on the lake by Grand Rapids, isn't it? Yes. I'm about 30 minutes away from the lake. So it's beautiful. Cold too, because that water. Mm-hmm. Lake affects snow. How far are you? Do, Help me with my geographic. Grand Rapid, okay. you got the lake, so, but you also have a bridge that goes to Canada, correct? Or am I wrong? That's on the other side. So if I hold up my little Michigan hand, mm -hmm. right? So here's the state of Michigan. And Detroit is over here. Right. And Grand Rapids is over here on the other side. Okay. All right. I, I've never been to Michigan. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll come to Michigan. I'll come, I'll come visit your great state. You should. It is gorgeous here, Other especially summers. They're so green and just it's beautiful. In the fall, the trees are just magnificent colors, and the winter is super cold. But other than that, it's great. Well, one thing I know about Michigan is Detroit. That's that's it. When you think of Michigan, the only thing you think about is Detroit, Michigan, and the uh, Ford Motor Company and all the all of the the uh, the factories that you guys have up there. Uh, but that is not the case anymore, right? Most of the factories left Detroit. Well, yeah, it's that. yeah, it's sad. A lot of the industry um, in that area is gone now. So. Um, you, but Detroit, you, Detroit is beautiful. 
There's Is so it? many. I think so. You I might, love Detroit. You might be a little biased because you're from Michigan. That's right. But, but, but some people will tell you, no, Detroit's a pretty rough place. <laughs> well, yeah, it it can be rough, but um, Michiganders, we're survivors. So <laughs> right, definitely. I'll, I'll go for that. I'll go for that. Yeah. Yeah, and Detroit is, there's so many cool things there. Um, I would say if you don't know a lot about Detroit, just go check it out. Are you from Michigan originally? I was born in Grand Rapids. My parents were born in Grand Rapids. My grandparents are from Grand Rapids. You never left? No. Why, Why would I live here? Why, Why, not? Would Why not? Why not? Tell me Georgia. why you haven't left. Um, well, I'm one of seven children mm -hmm. and my parents are here. My dad's going to be 82 or excuse me, 83 next mm -hmm. month. Um, my mom's 82 and I'm just very close to my family and I, I don't want to leave. I want to take care of them. So how long have your parents been married? They got married. I think they're, they'll be married this summer, 60 years. No way yeah they're so sweet and they're so, still so cute together and so in love and i was just over there today and they were they have a bird theater and they were still in their pajamas watching the birds they're just so cute i, I would love to talk to your parents uh, for the simple reason that they got married in a time period where life was very different and to manage to stay with a person for 60 years that's like a lifetime. I would want to know oh, what's yeah. this what's the secret? How do you make it work? Uh I have so many questions. I mean I know, and can I can I tell you that the whole time I grew up, never once, and to this day, I have never heard my parents argue. Not once. Really? Never. If they ever had a disagreement, it was never in front of the kids. Wow. They took it into another room or waited until we were sleeping or, um, so in a, in a way <laughs> it was really strange. My first marriage, I, I didn't even know how to have a disagreement with my spouse. I, I want to talk. So to I, I want to know how they met. Okay how they settle differences. I mean, you should ask them. You should ask them. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a really good interview. I'm that telling you a great conversation. That would be a great <laughs> conversation. I would love to I, listen. I got a million questions. I found you on Instagram, saw your post on someone else's page. And after watching your video, I came to your page. And I was like, I'd love to talk to her because you're I wouldn't say you're against the ribbon, but you know, your explanation as to why you don't like the ribbon was very interesting. And that's what made me ask for the interview. How long have you been a breast cancer survivor? Well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, March of 2017. So it's been six years now. Mm. Take me back and to, take me back to the beginning. Hmm. Well, I do hair. I'm a hairstylist. 
and um, I had a baby when I was 40 and nursed that baby, breastfed him till he was um, quite a bit older. Mm -hmm. And so my mammogram at age 40 didn't happen. And um, when I talked to my primary care physician about it at age 44, he said, oh, well, you can wait until you're 50 if you want to get your mammogram. There's, you don't have to get one at this age. Um, but it's up to you. You can get it. And so me, being the procrastinator that I am, I thought, well, I'll just wait till 50 then. And then a client of mine turned 40, got a mammogram, and was diagnosed with breast cancer in the same month. No and way. she said to me, oh, no, you're not waiting until 50. Right. You need to go get a mammogram. You're, you're almost 45. So... Um, Long story short, I was diagnosed with breast cancer shortly after that mammogram. And my um, tumors actually didn't even show up on the 2D or the 3D mammogram, which is another crazy story. But um, the one of the mammograms showed a spot that was biopsied, and then that was shown to be precancerous. And then uh, I was called back to the specialist and then she actually did a manual exam and felt a lump on the left-hand side that didn't show up on the mammogram. So then she ordered an MRI, which then showed two different tumors on the left-hand side. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer, an aggressive form of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And five weeks later, I had a double mastectomy and, um, reconstruction with silicone implants so this this all happened very fast for you very fast so when you're diagnosed with breast cancer it's I always tell people it's like um, walking into a hurricane your life is swirling around you and this diagnosis is coming at you and you have these all these decisions to make about chemotherapy and mm. um, so I was told I was gonna have to have 12 rounds of chemotherapy I was gonna lose all my hair um, I was gonna be sick and so um, I was losing my breasts losing my hair going through chemotherapy and then um, trying to decide how I was gonna what would be the best way to move ahead with my life right because um, that's what you want. You just want to be normal again because you're caught in this whirlwind of cancer, this hurricane that's just swirling around you and it's so disorienting and it's, it's just, it's crazy. So- you're, you're, um, a mother of, you're a mother of one, right? So- No, I actually have three children. My oldest daughter from my first marriage is 28, and then I have a 15-year-old son and a and a 11-year-old son. So you being so a mother, he was, and and this happened in all fast for you, you know. This has got to be nerve-wracking. One, you don't know if you're mm -hmm. going to survive. You all you hear all these horror stories about, you know, breast cancer and cancer in general. Mm -hmm. You know, I can only imagine yeah. what was going through. I was terrified, honestly. Um, my my son was four years old at the time, mm -hmm. and my youngest son, 
and he um, he was just starting kindergarten. So, you know, or he was five years old, I'm sorry. And just getting ready to start kindergarten. Um, so yeah, it, it was, you know, just supposed to be this happy time in my life where, you know, I'm sending my baby off to kindergarten and all of a sudden I'm just hit with this, that you, you hear those words, you have breast cancer and you're going to lose your breasts. Right. And it's, it's horrifying. It's like living a nightmare. You, you go through this. It's hard. Did you, when they told you, say, hey, listen, Becky, we're going to remove your breasts. What, did you have any second thoughts? Because typically, as you know, when people go through breast cancer, it's usually because of silicone implants. You didn't have that. You didn't have any implants. I, I never wanted implants. I didn't have implants. Um, I was... Um, you know, I, I had a home birth. When I get a headache, I use essential oils. Mm -hmm. I, I normally don't wear a lot of makeup. Um, I just, breast implants were never on my radar. I never would have considered getting breast implants. But um, when they told me I was gonna lose my breasts, my initial thought was, I'm just gonna go flat. I'm not gonna go through all of these reconstructive surgeries, it's just going to be too much. And um, the way that they talk to women when women are diagnosed with breast cancer is very interesting. There's a narrative around breast cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And that narrative is you're broken and we are going to fix you. So and I, I've discussed this with other survivors and this, the same things are said to women across the board. And I think this is one thing that needs to change. Um, so they say things like, oh, you're so young. You have your whole life ahead of you. And you, know, you wanna feel normal in clothes and um, you wanna feel normal with other people. You don't want to look different. Um, and what you don't want to look in the mirror and be reminded of your breast cancer. Uh, so you hear things like this, or what about bathing suit season? You know, what do you, how are you going to wear a bathing suit? What are you going to look like? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to look in a bathing suit without breasts. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah, I do want to feel normal. I don't, I don't want to be abnormal, right? Who wants that? Correct, correct. So I start second guessing myself and I was told, well, here's a folder. It's got your appointment with the plastic surgeon. It's all made for you. Just go talk to her and um, ask some questions and make a decision then. So just go talk to her. So I thought, okay, I'll go talk to her. And it was just presented as this easy option that's gonna make you feel normal. It's gonna make you feel whole again, right? You're gonna lose this. It's basically an amputation of your sexual organs. So we're gonna restore you. We're gonna make you whole again. 
and I had no go ahead finish your thought finish your thought I was I just had no absolutely no idea what I was in store for why is it you know I think when I first heard about breast cancer it's been in the 80s okay here we are 2023 you know you don't you didn't have any breast implants you, you don't use a lot of makeup you don't use a lot of uh, medication where, where do you think this cancer thing is coming from and why we haven't got a handle on it yet that's really interesting i honestly i have no idea um it's it seems like i, I shouldn't be getting breast cancer <laughs> my statistical chance of developing breast cancer was supposed to be very small. And they say with every child that you breastfeed, your chance of breast cancer is supposed to go down. Well, I breastfed all three of my children and my sons, I breastfed for multiple years. So um, in my mind, I'm thinking, I mean, breast cancer isn't even on my radar, right? Um, I eat kale salads, I exercise, I had a home birth. I don't take even over-the-counter med medications. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not supposed to be somebody who gets breast cancer. Do you think it's... Yeah, here we are. Do you... Is it just... Well, obviously, I'm assuming no one in your family prior to you had breast cancer, right? So it's not genetic. I had... I had all the genetics tested. Um, I think at the time I was diagnosed, they tested me for 20, I think it was 23, 21 or 23 uh, cancer genes and they were all negative. So I had no genetic component that we know of. You so, have a daughter. Are you concerned I for do. her? Because it's not genetic, so, you know. Um, but you know what? Her grandmother on her father's side died of breast cancer. Her grandfather? Her grandmother. Her grandmother? So her father's mother, yeah. Just died of breast cancer a couple months ago. I want to play a clip from you uh, in regards to uh, the red, the, the pink ribbon. And I want to come back and I want to get your thoughts in regards to wh why you feel the way you feel about the pink ribbon. Okay. This October, join me by taking a pink ribbon or a pink ribbon item and burning it. For a less dramatic option, just throw it in the trash. Does this make you uncomfortable? That's actually a step in the right direction. Every October, I hear breast cancer survivors and support groups say that pink ribbons and the pink products that flood the market are actually traumatizing to them. You may be asking, why is that? Even I was shocked and confused the first time I heard someone say this. Come on, what could possibly be wrong or negative about raising awareness? Five years later, I'm beginning to understand. Here's some uncomfortable facts that are the reality for all of us who have experienced breast cancer. By the way, most doctors don't tell us this. Uncomfortable fact number one. 
One out of every three of us who are diagnosed with breast cancer will have a reoccurrence of metastatic breast cancer. Metastatic breast cancer is an incurable cancer that has spread to other organs and parts of our bodies. Uncomfortable fact number two, the majority of pink ribbons and pink ribbon products do little or nothing to help people that are affected by breast cancer. Most corporations add pink or pink ribbons just to try to make you feel good about buying their stuff. That's it. Many times, zero money from these products is donated to help anyone. Ooh. Frankly, that's profiting from your good heart and good intentions and our pain and suffering. That's wrong. If someone is drowning, we don't put on a drowning awareness ribbon. We throw them a life-preserving ring. Uncomfortable, yet hopeful. Fact number three. A small donation to breast cancer research or to a local company that's actively helping people with breast cancer does far more than any pink ribbons or pink products could ever do. So let's... I didn't know that. So this is all a business. Yeah, a lot this is it's more business and promotion that, and have no connection or seeking to help the people that's affected by breast cancer. Yeah. And you know what? Unfortunately, breast implants are the exact have the exact same problem. It's profits before people. And we're we're giving these women breast implants and we're not telling them the risks. We're not telling them that they can get sick. And then women are getting sick and we're not knowing why. And we're going from doctor to doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what's wrong with us. And the whole time it's our breast implants and we're not told. So we have no informed consent. And so there's a lot of obstacles facing women with breast cancer that they don't even understand and they don't know. A lot of, I've seen recently, a lot of celebrities are removing their breast implants. Yes. And I'm so grateful that these women are coming forward and actually talking about it because they have a voice. And most women who have breast implant illness or get sick from their implants, they don't have a voice. Right. And they're basically left to self-diagnose because even doctors are completely unaware of the problems that breast implants cause. You it's are really sad. This picture here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I went to your page and it seems like the breast can't having breast cancer and coming through it has made you more, more confident, more outspoken. It, it kind of like lit a fire in you that was always there, but now it's really burning. When you look at this picture, I, I see a, a much stronger woman that you were stronger before, but this here. Tell me about this picture. One thing you'd probably be surprised to know in looking at that picture is it was the first time I took my shirt off in front of anybody. Mm -hmm. And I went to go do this photo shoot because when I was diagnosed in 2017, I searched the internet for 
positive images of women without breasts and I really couldn't find anything. Uh, the images I saw were images of women who were sick, who were bald, going through chemotherapy. And those are, those are sad, scary images. But as far as just women, women living their lives flat, um, I couldn't really find anything. So I knew that I wanted to do this. I wanted to show women that what is or isn't on our chest has nothing to do with who we are as women. And so the whole time I drove to that photo shoot and I cried the entire way there. This was so outside my comfort zone. Um, I never would have done anything like this if I wouldn't have had breast cancer and went through what I went through. You went through it, came through. Uh, you're an advocate now. What do you think we can do more to to bring more awareness and educate the public? It, I mean, is it the food? I mean, what what is it? Because we have so many different types of cancer, breast cancer being one of the main ones. What can we do to bring more awareness to this and maybe change our diets, you know, to prevent this? I think that healthy living and diets and um, exercise are so important. I really do. Um, but I can tell you that we're not going to stop breast cancer. We're not going to stop cancer. So I think what we have to do is we have to change the narrative around cancer. Because when women are diagnosed, there's no going back. So we have to tell women that they are still women without breasts. So I can choose to go flat and I can live a happy, healthy, beautiful life without breasts. And it doesn't affect the person that I am or who I am. And that's really the message that I want to get across because I went through three years of suffering. I saw nine specialists trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I saw every doctor you could think of. And they basically just told me that this is your new normal after breast cancer and after mm -hmm. chemotherapy. Your body's not bouncing back. You're just going to be sick. And I was offered lots and lots of pharmaceutical drugs to try to help with symptoms. Right. But um, the whole time it was my breast implants. And when I had them removed in 2020, I felt better on the ride home. And 95% of my symptoms vanished the minute those implants were taken out of my body. So I really think that we need, we need to make flat closure after mastectomy an equal, an equal option and a beautiful option and an option that women can and feel comfortable with. You may be having a female right now who may co be considering having breast implants. What would be your advice to her? Oh, my advice would be just know the risks. 
there's a website called GPAC United. And it was started by a friend of mine. Her name is Robin Tao. And um, she created this website to just inform women of the risks. She was she is a breast cancer survivor like I am. And she went through the exact same thing that I did. She had implants that made her horribly, horribly sick. And when she had the implants removed, she only had hers in four months. And when she had hers removed, all of her symptoms went away. So I don't want to try to control women's choices. I just want them to be informed. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know the risks. You know, when, when you go pick up a prescription at a pharmacist, you get the page or two that shows everything that can go wrong, possibilities of how this medicine might make you react. Correct. Maybe, maybe not, but you're informed and you have that information. And that's what we need with breast implants. We need women to be, to have informed consent and to be fully informed. Becky Richards. But I think the biggest thing I would tell, and no, go ahead. Any go ahead. young woman who's considering, well, any woman who's considering implants is, you don't need them. You're beautiful already. Mm -hmm. And if we can, as a society, send women a new message that they're beautiful just the way that they are and that all bodies are beautiful and we don't have to live up to some societal norm that really doesn't matter. I mean, I don't have any breasts at all. I'm completely flat. In fact, I'm concave a little bit. And I feel more beautiful than I ever have in my entire life. Wonderful. Becky Richards, I appreciate you taking the time, coming here, chatting with me. Uh, and I hope, I hope, you know, women who see this this interview you know take heed learn the risk know what they're getting into and uh give it some serious thought before they go down that route of getting implants and you know what there is no safe implant and women need to know that as well there is no safe implant and if you go to these implant manufacturers website and you click on their teeny tiny little links, you can see the 73 pages of warnings. Mm. But the problem is we're not given these warnings. And so we are, we're under this false impression that breast implants are safe and they absolutely are not. Definitely. Becky Richards, thank you again. Listen, you're more than welcome to come back. I definitely want to talk to your parents, 60 years of, of marriage. Um, Oh, would, they would, would love a, to talk to you. That, that'd be a great conversation. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. We'll do. I really enjoy, appreciate you that. You enjoy. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, take care.